0: Welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Meg Blackburn Losey. Dr. Meg is the author of the impressive new book, Touching the Light. She also hosts the Cosmic Particles Internet Radio Show and is the author of many best-selling books, including The Secret History of Consciousness, The Children of Now, which is about crystalline, indigo, star kids, angels on Earth, and the phenomenon of transitional children. She also wrote The Pyramids of Light, Awakening to Multidimensional Realities, which is very relevant to our discussion today. Hey. Meg has served as a consultant to Good Morning America and 2020, and is a regular contributor to many magazines and other publications. And Meg, I know for a fact that you are an amazing keynote speaker and lecturer, and I couldn't be more pleased that you could join us today. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Miriam, thanks so much. I tell you, I'm really glad to be back. I love what you're doing on NCR and uh, I'm kind of humbled and awed by your reviews of the book this month and and just want to thank you because um, I'm really excited about it.
0: Well, I'm excited about your book because I think it's one of the most comprehensive guides to energy healing that I've ever read.
1: Oh, good! I hope so. <laughs> that was the intention. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there, and it seemed to me, you know, when I listened to people talking about different modalities, um, many of which are wonderful, and yet I kept hearing missing pieces, and I thought, gee, you know, I know this stuff. I really, I really need to find a way to share it in a way that people can take it home and digest it and, and not just go to a weekend thing and, and try to learn it all. So um, I, I'm really happy the way it came out.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you did a great job because you have it so well illustrated and uh, it, it's the kind of thing that people can dip into and use as a reference as well as, Hello. you know, a kind of learn at home course. Great. So, tell us how you got involved in etheric healing.
1: Wow, I've been doing this actually for about close to 15 years now, and basically it started with a a very serious, what a lot of us call dark night of the soul, where everything in my life just fell apart. You know, I I uh, was screwing up all over the place, as many of us do while we're learning, and. I woke up one morning on my friend's couch just devastated, crying my heart out because nothing. I mean, I was working out of my car, sleeping on my friend's couch because everywhere I turned, there were, there were issues, you know, betrayal and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And I said, okay, self, so we're going to lay here till we get this right. <laughs> and and I, I decided to look at everything from my perspective, not what everybody else had done or said or whatever, but my part of it. And what I realized was two things. First of all, I didn't like myself very much. And second of all, I I realized that I was doing everything based on what I thought everybody else wanted me to do. And because of that, I didn't even know who I was or what I wanted or or any of that. And so I looked up and I said, whoever I am, whatever this is, I accept. Boy, those, i got to tell you, Miriam, are the two most powerful words any of us can say if we really mean it. Mm. And once I was undefended, what happened was uh, my intuitive gifts started to open up vastly, and I call it going through my series of cosmic two-by-fours because what happened was, pretty much on a daily basis my awareness was expanding beyond this reality and into other realities and and i was i was building up with energy and i didn't know what to do with it i couldn't find the go trigger you know i I thought i was going to explode at times and uh, and and i just kept trying to figure out what to do about it well i just got this wild hair idea one morning to put on some music and get up and move with it and instead of trying to make the energy do something i decided to follow it and as I did, it started to change in, in form and shape and all of that, and I was literally seeing it. Well, one day, it popped up in living color, and I literally stood there and I said, gee, you know, this is great, but what the heck am I going to do with this? What's it for? Somebody show me what to do. And I kept begging everybody every morning, somebody show me what to do. Now, now mind you, I was by myself in my home on a mountain on, nor- on top of a mountain in North Carolina, so it was kind of insane. <laughs> <But> <laughs> every morning I, I asked the same question, and gosh, you know what? One morning this being popped into my reality was kind of holographic, very shiny, um, very tall, very beautiful, beautiful being, and he started to move like I was, only a little bit different. And I won't tell you how startled I was and how far I jumped when he showed up, but uh, when, anyway, he disappeared when I when I got startled. And I quickly centered myself and got back to, into that kind of conscious space I'd been in. And sure enough, there he was, patiently waiting for me to show back up, and, and he hadn't gone anywhere I had. Um, I finally realized later that when I got mental about it, I actually closed the door to being able to interact with him, and he, to to make a very long story short, he started to show me how to work with the energy to transmute it, to change it into different colors, shapes, forms, Um, He showed me all about frequencies and how energy is also color and sound and and other things and and applies to sacred geometry, which applies to creation and consciousness, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then one day, um, and there were a whole series of these guys, they would come and go depending on what I was learning, and... One day when I was working with one of them, he started, I was. I had a couple of people on my mind that were having physical problems for different reasons. And before I knew it, all of a sudden there they were floating holographically in front of me, turning very slowly so that I could see the, um, the changes in their energy fields um, that were causing the dysfunctions. And then it kind of went from there and developed into what I now call touching the light. And I literally worked with people for... Over a year, and didn't charge them a dime, and called them a day or two later, and said, "Okay, you know, what's your experience?" Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned how it, what was going on. And uh, it was quite fascinating, and still is, because it's always different, it's constantly evolving, and it's not something you can hammer down into a finite modality because it's it's really merging with the field of another person and becoming part of them while while you do the work. So. It's a beautiful thing. It's a very sacred thing, and it's also quite fascinating.
0: <laughs> I just want to point out to the readers that you have a very detailed description in the book about how they can recreate the process that you went through. Mm-hmm. One of the words that comes into mind is generous. You have been incredibly generous in putting down the, the – it's like a core dump everything you know, and putting it in such a way that people can really understand it and recreate it themselves. However, I have a question. (laughs) Sure. Do you have to be at the low point in your life to make this work for you? I can't tell you how many times I've heard this story about people just being at a dead end, ready to give up, and then finally quit. Literally giving up and saying, "Okay, show me."
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question, Miriam, and it's a it's one I can feel really directly. Um, no, we don't have to go there, but often we are we force ourselves to go there because we're so darn stubborn with our and I and I and I really relate it all to our defense system. And what I mean by that is when our issues are running our show from the background and we're constantly deceiving ourselves. We react from a defensive standpoint rather than an honest one. OK? Mm-hmm. And when we are in our defenses, we have those doors closed and we can't see anything else. So sometimes it requires us to, to get a, a, a good a, you know a, a good bunch of change in, in order for us to be open to something else. But if we have the desire and the intention, um, no, we don't have to hurt. To to fly, we can we can really um, do any of this just by becoming aware that it even exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you know, ninety percent of anything is having an awareness that it's possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, um, one of the things that I liked in the early part of your book, you kind of set the scene with your perspective on the roles of alternative and conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. It was just so balanced and well put that I'd like you to recap it for
1: us. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, in the course of my personal experiences, one of the things that I've observed very keenly is that when people get into metaphysical awareness and kind of start down that road, one of the things that happens is they, if they get sick, they get into this whole thing about, well, I can heal it myself. I don't need anybody else. I don't have to go to the doctor because we don't like doctors. So it's a good excuse. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen literally happen over the years is people, that, even though they were offered otherwise, um, get very, very, very sick or sick for a prolonged time or even die because they didn't deal medically with a simple thing that could have been cured in a day or two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, we can do it. I'm a witness and an experiencer of that of myself. But um, the medical community has a lot to offer. We are in biological bodies, and those bodies are subject to infestation and, and illness, and it doesn't always mean that we created it. That's the other fallacy. There's a lot of teaching out there that if we've got something wrong with it, we must have created it. Because we've always got to be wrong, right? That's what we're taught. We're taught we're not perfect. We're taught we're wrong. And we need to change that, but we don't know what right looks like. So we try to make ourselves responsible for being sick, and we see the sickness as a separate thing from us. Well, the truth is it's part of who we are in that moment, but that can change. And so, you know, there there are pros and cons with the, every side of it. I mean, alternative medicine and allopathic, which is the regular medical, uh, both have their positive attributes and, and shortcomings, and all of it is subjected to interpretation. So really and truly, isn't it all about consciousness? And really and truly, the medical industry does not at all consider, although they're beginning to, to the subtle energy field, case mm-hmm. in point, autism, it's epidemic, Mm-hmm. It's it's been caused by environmental um things that have happened that you know, there's chemicals and, and heavy metals in our environment and they were also put into like thallium and mercury were put into vaccines. So mm-hmm. Let's look at quickly. The, the subtle energy field is is an energy. It's susceptible to influences that make it smaller and larger. Mercury is a conductive uh, metal or gas or whatever form it's in and at the time. It's conductive. It's been used to study interstellar travel as a fuel. Hmm. So you put that into a body. And what does it do? It's conductive. It not only conducts the, the electrical system, which is our nervous system, but also the subtle energy field, which is more susceptible because it's more easily influenced. And so the subtle energy field, as it's conducted through the body, expands unnaturally with this stuff in the body. And, And consciousness is also made of the same kind of stuff as our subtle energy field. And so the consciousness, which is part of that subtle field, is pushed outward in the expansion and does not remain all the way or perfectly seated in the body. Therefore... You you have a wide spectrum of autism. All of us are frequency based. We're all each of us an individual set. So whatever our frequency set is, determines how fully or little bit we are affected by those influences um, in the mercury, in the in the vaccines and things. So so the consciousness is not fully in the body. Therefore, you see different um, aspects of awareness, of alertness, of cognizance because the consciousness is not fully there. Part of it's literally residing in another dimension or one or more. Mm-hmm. And, and it's quite fascinating when you look at, you look at the um, energy field of autistic people, um, how varied it can be. And um, can it be fixed? I'm having some success with that, but as long as those things reside in the body, you're gonna have a constant uh, kind of a looping going on of that expansion happening over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of frustrating. Um, unless that stuff's chelated out of the body. Tell us a little
0: bit about um, your, because you're able to visualize energy fields. Mm-hmm. What what are the different parts of of our fields? How how does it all work?
1: Wow, <laughs> there's so many different parts, but I'll kind of simplify it. Yeah, of I'll course. I'll kind of give you a step by step. There, we have what we call, and a lot of people are familiar with, the pranic tube. That's to go come. It's it's a shaft of energy it's like a shaft of light that comes through our crown of our head goes through our center of our body and out kind of like where our tailbone is well that's where energy flows in to our system both cosm- cosmically the the finer higher frequency energies from above from the heavens as you will and it, and from the earth coming in through the bottom of that tube then we have the chakra system. The chakra system is actually created not of a bunch of flat rotating discs, but small pyramids that have an entire anatomy all their own. They pick up energy from, uh, depending on where they are on the body, from the pranic tube and distribute it outward toward the meridian fields, which is what um, they're little pathways of energy that run through the body that acupuncturists follow when they do their work. Okay, so it's like please.
0: a parallel to our to our blood circulation or our nervous system.
1: Yes, exactly. Only it's, it's invisible and it's energy mm-hmm. flowing. That mm-hmm. energy both feeds our bodies and um, constantly reattunes us to what's going on in and around us. Then from there, we also have the Kundalini, which is a kind of it looks like a chain of light. That, that um runs around the chakras uh, loops around each chakra and follows the same pathway as the pranic tube that keeps that's like a modulating series of energy that keeps a balance so when our kundalini not working well our chakras aren't balanced either we also then on top of that have two vortexes one at the high heart and one is the mid abdominal area where when in, um, martial arts they call it Dom tion. It's between the second and third chakra areas. Mm-hmm. The high heart one is an, is an outgoing, is an outgoing vortex. very golden yellow if you were able to see it. And it, it's feeding information to every one of our aspects multidimensionally infinitely we have there's a part of us that lives in every layer of reality and that vortex attaches to all of our aspects and keeps us balanced some people talk about your higher self all that is is one of those aspects somewhere out there but it's all working together um when it's healthy Uh, the lower one is, is an is an uh incoming field of energy or vortex of energy it's like a yin and yang the, the upper one is is one polarity the lower one's is another um, and that literally um, can track our lineage every generation before us every um, even lifetimes if you really wanted to know how it worked and we can literally track generations where familial patterns and dysfunctions began after that, then we start to leap into other dimensions. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. whoa. That, that's okay. a pretty big statement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. We can track where um, dysfunction started, and we can actually disconnect them or change the energy of it um, so that we can change not only our experience but future generations as well.
0: So the the lineage is expressed in what in the harmonic pattern that's held within the
1: system um it's constantly that our lineage is constantly feeding us instructions about what our history is because we often uh we carry that you know we carry the information of everything that's ever been since the very beginning of time uh, of of creation mm-hmm. and we have a specific lineage that is um I could go into in a whole lot of ways we don't have time for, mm-hmm. but we, um, we, to make it simple, we can track the generations of that lineage. You know, for instance, if there's alcoholism, we can find out, uh, we can actually track that to what generation it started in, and even if you're really aware, with whom. Well, how,
0: and, how on earth do you begin to do that?
1: These vortexes, and I'm going to be teaching about this shortly, um, are segmented, and I teach uh, my students how to ch- how to follow the segments and how to read them, what's the closest in time, what's the farthest in time. And those segments, when there's a dysfunction, actually become damaged in different ways. And by being able to interpret how that damage is, how it looks or how it feels or how the sense is, um, you can repair that. And therefore, um, repair everything forward in time from then.
0: Fascinating and it, stuff. And is this just using your intention and, and focusing energy on it?
1: And your what? awareness. You have to be aware to even, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, basically this, this technique seems so very simple. And yet it, the, the, the effect that it has is infinite and permanent. So it's, it's it's a really powerful way to change reality, and we have to be careful. You know, I put a lot in that book. Most people that write books like this don't put what I did in there.
0: Yeah, um, I noticed.
1: And, and it, because of, it's a lot about go to the classes and, and pay me money, you know. Mm-hmm. I want people to know they have options, and I want people to know how to assess themselves, and I know that a lot of people are going to try this stuff. So I, and, and, and can do it at least to a degree by reading the book, but I also want to say it's very sacred work and there's a lot of responsibility with, with merging with someone's field like that. So when we project our awareness into someone's field like that, we're literally dictating their, their entirety to make a change toward a different reality.
0: Yes, I noticed that in uh, one of your chapters, you talk about mm-hmm. the, the healer needing to hea- deal with their own issues yep. before they start um, messing about in somebody else's energy field.
1: Well, the reason that I say that is is that everything transfers. And with, with this modality, we are literally merging with God consciousness, with, with creation, and with the person that we're working with it's all the same, and that's the, that's the whole point. none of it's separate it 's all one field of energy
0: mm-hmm. and
1: If you know how to access certain addresses in that field, which is basically what we 're doing when we access another human being, we're taking the reality of us and merging it with them at that time, and everything that we are and feel and think and do transfers as information to that person, so we need to be um, making sure we have it together, you know and we don't want to be having a bad day and and you know, angry at somebody and then go touching someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what that's about.
0: You you also, uh, um, later in the book, you had an interesting description of how we are affected by the energy fields of other people. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is disturbed or angry, that can physically affect us for a period of time.
1: No kidding. And the, and the example I use is really common. You know, everybody's in a room, they're having a great time, they're laughing, and somebody comes barreling in the door late, and they're all stressed out, and they're mad at somebody, and they, they're just, their world's not working right that day. And they come in, and they're, you know, everybody feels it. And all of a sudden, everybody gets quiet. And that person could still is, is just carrying that, um, that energy around, that emotion around. And pretty soon everybody starts to feel it in the solar plexus. It kind of doesn't feel very good. Or, we, or everybody starts to feel emotional about it. Gee, you know, it's really uncomfortable. That's because that person that just came in the door, their energy field is big. And if you could see it, it's really red. And they're pushing it out at everybody. And it's like invisibly hitting people in the stomach with it hmm. in, the, in the solar plexus and we begin to feel it pretty soon everybody in the room feels different than they did before that person walked in. Mhm. Uh
0: you provide a number of exercises in your book including one on creating a kind of protective field. How does that yeah. work?
1: You know, <laughs> A lot of people teach, oh, well, you should put a shell around, you should surround yourself with mirrors, you should do this or that. Well, that's all fine and good, but what doesn't get in also doesn't get out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when we encapsulate ourselves with these various visuals, we are literally closing ourselves off to anything as well. Um, and so it limits our experience energetically so what we want to do is we want to use the use our own light and we are all created of that. Believe it or not, I showed in the book how that is true. Well, if you just kind of imagine and go way, project your intention or your awareness way into the core of your body you'll find that there's a spark of a very light gold light in there and use that visual and find that spark and then breathe into it and as you do, you'll notice that that gets larger, that light gets larger and larger and starts to fill your body. Keep breathing until that light starts to overflow out of your body and create a field of light around you. And believe it or not, doing that with that very subtle exercise will, and using your own source light not only protects you from everything that you don't want, and I mean everything, it also um, makes you contagious, and what I mean by that is people will respond positively to the light that you're emitting, just in your everyday life, and they'll, they will they want to talk to you. They don't know why. They'll gravitate you with, to you. They won't know why, but they just can't wait to experience you, because they feel your light, and and it's just fascinating. Um, the more you do it, the the greater the strength of the field is and, and um, the more uh, the longer it stays with you you don't, you don't have to constantly do it Just I tell people before you get up in the morning just do that little exercise and then just intend that that will stay with you throughout the day and watch what happens it's quite interesting
0: how fascinating I can't yeah. wait to try that well we have to take a little break and then we will be right back with our guest Meg Blackburn-Losey Albert Einstein said I believe in intuition and inspiration Imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge is limited whereas imagination embraces the entire world stimulating progress giving birth to evolution New Consciousness Review is all about the media of inspiration and trusting your intuition Join us at ncreview.com your partner in conscious evolution. And we're back with Dr. Meg Blackburn-Losey discussing her book, Touching the Light. Oh, wow, Meg. We certainly don't have enough time to uh, <laughs> even even scratch the surface of the wealth of this book. Um, I have a friend, actually, who is about to go in for open-heart surgery. You had a fascinating um, thing to say about what happens when you cut into the body's energy field in surgery. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, not only is the field energy disrupted during surgery um which has everything to do with how quickly we heal physically but also in the uh... operating theater there are a lot of machines and those machines a lot of video screens a lot of uh... computers lights different things and um some other electrical things and anyway as well as being surrounded by a whole bunch of human beings, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which also have their own energy. And what happens is when we're anesthetized, we literally float just outside of our bodies, just outside of our bodies. We're there, but we're not there. And so we're not in there emitting the energy that we naturally do to protect ourselves and our energy fields. So what happens is during surgery, our energy fields kind of become magnets for energetic anomalies and we pick up things that often look like matrixes of straight lines or like an energetic sand for kind of looking in the energy all that's wadded up and acts like an irritant in our personal field because it's a foreign object it's literally foreign energy that gets trapped during that time that we're in exercise and that doesn't go away unless we know to look for it and change it So. However degree that is, or where it lands, so to speak, has a lot to do with how quickly we get over the anesthesia, how quickly our physical bodies heal, and even how we handle the situation emotionally. So perhaps the thing to do then is when we're going into surgery, do that little light exercise that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to leave a healthy field as we leave our bodies temporarily. Uh-huh. Um, that that would help to some degree. I don't think it would help entirely because that's going to fluctuate depending on the drugs they give and the you know the time we're out and that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, then, what would you recommend uh, post surgery?
1: well if you if you get an idea of the etheric anatomy through the book, which is i don't know any other way to tell it in a in a nutshell for you mm-hmm. Miriam but if you have an idea even about how your external field looks and operates, which is a quick chapter really um, then you can turn your attention to that part of your your energy field and learn how to find where it's where it's duck or where something feels wrong and just in, and just project your attention in there to change that because when we put intention into the process and i mean the, the universal process that intention directs reality so when we when we send an intention into our field to correct something that we find that intention dictated dictates a different reality and changes it literally transmutes it
0: mm mm-hmm. How does how do things like cancer show up in the etheric field?
1: Well, first of all, cancer shows up in the body, and um, it's in, in various ways energetically. Mm-hmm. But it also, what I found fascinating, I mean, being a cancer survivor myself, <laughs> I found it fascinating that metastases often hover as as potentials i call them in the in in the energy field out just outside of the body and often in multiple levels so you might see metastases for tumors you know as as different colored or, or dark spots in the energy field um outside of the body and if you eradicate those that potential for metastases disappears i learned about this it was fascinating years ago A woman came to me in an expo I was doing, and she was on her third round with breast cancer, and she was very frustrated, and she says, I know that I need to do something different, but I don't know what that is, I said, well, let's look. And sure enough, I, I was able to read by where I saw the metastases, where her cancer had been, how many there were. You know, um, <laughs> it, was, it was just mind-blowing. And so I eradicated what I found, and she was fine from then on. It didn't come back. And um, I've been able to read it before MRIs find it as well, um, as as incoming potentials or potentials that have already started to materialize. And it's it's just you, you learn with experience what I mean by you know mm-hmm. how to tell the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing when you start looking at looking at wh- wh- what that means the helpfulness.
0: Now, let's say you have you're working with a client with with cancer or some other disease, um, and you say in your book that what you're doing is creating emergence with their energy fields. How so? Um, is there any danger to the healer if they're not properly prepared?
1: It depends on the healer's attitude and the condition of their own energy field. If somebody's got a lot of blockages in their field and they go wandering into someone else's and they're afraid at all, or it depends on belief systems as well, you have to be what I call clean when you do this work. I mean, you have to really be aware of your own stuff and your own issues, and it doesn't mean we have to be perfect to do it. What it means is we really need to do our best to be our best. And when we have stuck areas and we think that we need to take on other people's energy, which is some people's perspective, that energy can get stuck in our body. And if we believe it, then we're going to get it at some point. Mm -hmm. But it can also flow through us as if we're an infinite conduit and we don't need to hold it and it's not ours to be responsible for. See, that's the key. It's recognizing that it's not ours personally Mm -hmm. and we are being nothing more than a conduit. Mm-hmm. and a witness to someone else's healing, they're really doing it. We're mm-hmm. just helping. So, you know, it, there's a lot of responsibility about perceptions on the healer's part and and about not carrying any fear into the healing arena as well because everything that we're afraid of we're going to draw in. It's just uh, it's a universal law pretty much, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there some conditions that are more... Um, susceptible to either disturbances in the uh, in the energy field or, you know, come from disturbances? Is everything fixable at the energetic level?
1: No, it's not. Um, and by the way, we don't normally catch things from other people. That was just uh, something that could happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, but um, normally speaking, you don't ever catch things so to speak, from somebody else's energy field, if you're properly prepared going in, that just doesn't happen, just mm-hmm. for the record. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there are times when it's not ours to fix. Sometimes someone is sick for uh, reasons far beyond our comprehension or, or factors that contributed far beyond our now, you know or before, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's not ours to fix. For instance, as an example, sometimes someone having an illness that's, you know, a real challenge, it, it isn't as much about them, but how they affect everyone around them that encounters them during that process, and how later those encounters transform lives and ripple outward infinitely to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just somebody's time to go, and that's okay. It's about being able to recognize that and knowing that it's not us that's fixing things, but we are basically contributing to that to what they've requested and so you know you really have to be fluid in your perceptions and attitudes about this work because Everybody's different. Everybody's situation's different. And, and sometimes it, it's just not ours to do. And that's just fine. Um, right. death is, death is as much of a part of living as living is. And, and so, you know, it, it's really about recognizing that and being just fine with it. It's, it's part of the cycle.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking about when Steve Jobs passed a few weeks ago. Um, how much his passing actually affected people. And in a way, it probably affected them more because he was so young and relatively young and full of potential.
1: And out there in front of the whole world doing uh, doing amazing things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, how can we stay well? Do you have any advice?
1: I think the first thing that I would say to everyone is be honest with yourself we deceive ourselves so much in the name of doing a good job being a good person being that good boy or girl as we're taught as a child that one of the greatest things that contributes to us being unwell or lacking even in ourselves is is the tension and anxiety that we create by our own uh, self-deception so when we start to learn to tell the truth to ourselves and really own our experiences that's when we start to realize wait a minute I don't have to take that you know that person really did did mean what they said and it wasn't okay and it did hurt instead of closing up and not discussing that you know or whatever and second to that honesty and and then of course that goes on to other people as well when we communicate with them. Um, the second to that then is learning to l- stop defending ourselves so greatly that we're closing ourselves off and missing the potential for the exact kind of experiences that we really want. Mm. And and the, and the more um, at ease we are in ourselves, the less defended that we become, the healthier and healthier we get because our body and our energy field starts to re- reflect that honesty also.
0: Mm-hmm. You have this rather interesting chapter called Things No One Wants to Talk About. (laughs)
1: and everybody's trying to make that the focus of the book and i'm fighting it tooth and nail (laughs) but yeah you know there are Mary. That's it's true there are things that people don't want to talk about and and even people that are you know in the metaphysical field all the time they just don't want to go there or people on the flip side have great imaginations about these kind of things and and that's not a good thing either so um yes there are such thing as dark energies as entities um of different types um there you know um other things that can affect us um that show up in our energy system or in our physical bodies like implants um influences from extraterrestrial involvement and and um you know quite a few other things and there's a whole chapter in the book about that if you want to know about it just keep breathing while you read it (laughs) And don't lose any sleep over it. (laughs) Because here's here's my philosophy, Miriam. It's like this. Creation is made of a whole lot of realities. And in those realities, there's a whole lot of neighborhoods. We live in one. And every once in a while, somebody gets into the wrong neighborhood and can't remember how to get home and wreaks havoc. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. If you want to get a humorous point of view... everything is from some reality, and it takes all of those realities to make creation and for it to work. So that being said, it's a matter of having the proper attitude to both uh, access and deal with these kind of things. And you'll note that I didn't give a whole lot of information on how to deal with those because I don't want the whole world going out there trying to do that without some proper education. Sure. <laughs> one sure. place I didn't bid too far because um, it is a very serious subject and, and I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of things um, that are not really pleasant or, or whatever, but really and truly when you see them from the proper perspective, it's it's all just stuff uh, you know, and uh, some of it's a little more difficult to deal with than others but there it is and, and the effect the the kind of change that can be made from, from acknowledging and being prepared and willing to do this, those kind of things um, can literally save lives, literally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's in there. And if you want to know anything, I'm happy to tell you. But um, I just hope that that doesn't become the focus. Everybody's no, no, on absolutely.
0: Them. But one, one of the things that, um, you know, it's not stepping uh, very far into the realm of the dark, um was this idea of cords because mm-hmm. you know we go through life and we we make attachments um to people uh and or or people make attachments to us and somehow um i know people like judith orloff and so on have talked about these energy parasites people who uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally are draining our energy, because they lack something on their side. Mm-hmm. So, when you're talk in the context of talking about being well, it's also, uh, I think, very helpful to recognize that sometimes the the things that are sapping your energy are outside of your control. And once you recognize that, uh, you can take steps to
1: deal with it. That's very true. And um, energetic cords um, have a lot of different appearances depending on what their source is, but you can actually still have cordings to people from past lives. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. The the more recent the cording is, the more vital it looks. You can imagine it looks like an umbilical cord, very full of blood and alive and well when it's very recent. The older it is, the more um, the less. Um, what's that word, vital it looks. And and when they're really, really old, they actually look kind of dried up. So you Mm -hmm. can actually gauge how old they are or how recent they are by how they look um, or how they feel. I teach you how to do that. Um, and, And we literally project so much attention onto people or they us that it forms like an energetic highway to them or from us. And that highway kind of solidifies into a pathway that doesn't go away until we know to disconnect it. And that's what a cord is. It's, it's, um, you can, you know, some people, sometimes there's just someone that every time you're around them, you just can't wait to get away. They exhaust you. Um, they make you not feel very good. Those people are pulling energy from you. They may mm-hmm. or may not have corded to you. But there are all kinds of ways that we lose or give away our energy without realizing it.
0: You just gave me an interesting thought because my husband is a hypnotherapist and Mm -hmm. he does past life regressions Mm -hmm. and to, to find out where people may have a connection to a traumatic event in the past and then he actually severs that connection. So energetically, possibly what he's doing is severing the cords to that event.
1: Could be. It very well could be sometimes, but but then you must also remember that everything that we've ever been carries forward into who we are now, uh-huh. and and the record of that is in our cellular memory as well as our energy field. And sometimes when things aren't resolved, they they may have been karmic at the time, but that but that karma doesn't apply to now. And so yes, you can disconnect it. But when something's truly karmic, in other words, it's something we need to deal with in the journey of our soul, we can't disconnect it because that person has to have the experience that they've created over and over until they learn to do it differently or, or get it, whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, there, there are always factors involved.
0: Do you think anybody can learn how to do your healing modality?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've worked really hard on uh, learning how to communicate it, as I think you could tell by the book. And I've been teaching, like, long weekend workshops for, I don't know, about 10 years now. And um, I'm actually starting early next year. I haven't decided on a date. It will probably be February. Um, I'm going to be teaching certification courses in this and giving in-depth instructions to students that they can – learn to be practitioners at a level one or two, and then I'm going to teach instructors as well. So I'm excited. I, I'm really stepping out on a long limb here, Miriam. with <laughs> 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 this work. But um, I, it's time, and, and, uh, and I feel confident in uh, my communication and energetic skills that I can I can convey this where people can go out and be really, really powerful healers with it.
0: What do you think could be the the impact on, actually on society, of, of kind of spreading this understanding of our energetic anatomy and the nature of our interactions with other people?
1: It can change the entire world and how we see ourselves as, as uh, human beings and physical bodies and otherwise. Um, and and the, the perfect thing would be to marry the um, aspects of, of subtle energy medicine with um, allopathic medicine so that all aspects of our being are considered holistically rather than just one finite measurable part that they can see and touch. You know, um, I'm calling it a, a, a vast change, a vast contribution to the changing future of medicine. That's what I'm calling it. Touching the light—a vast contribution to the changing future of medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because when we can do that, you know, like Scotty did on Star Trek, and he had mm-hmm. that little measured everybody. What do you think he was doing? Gene Roddenberry had it right all those years ago. It's just that nobody knew what he was doing. Neither did he half the time. But, um, but we'll be able to scan the field for energy anomalies and diagnose that way without all of those intrusive tests and surgery
0: i don't see why not the the pace of technological development is just mind-boggling no kidding so another thing you're doing actually uh from memory is leading tours to sacred sites do you have any good ones coming up
1: i do i'm 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 kind of there's a delay because of the timing of 2012 um, so i'm not doing one this winter like i normally do but um july of 2012 i'm doing another crop circle journey i did one um with daniel brinkley this summer we had a blast oh uh, bad yeah we had a blast we were in, we had no i want to go journey. come on <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then in um december of 2012 i'm doing a mega power trip to peru starting in Lake Titicaca and going down through Cusco and the Urubamba Valley and ending up on 12-21-12, which is the, the day of the actual planetary alignment, mm-hmm. um, on top of Machu Picchu with a whole lot of people. I'm calling it a 26,000-year journey of souls. And, uh, <laughs> yep. And it's filling up And tonight's that. the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm real, real excited about both of those. And um, people can get information if they just go to com and click on make schedule. And there are um, sections for everything that's going on. And if they want to know about the touching the light certification that we, I was just talking about, I have a brand new website just came live a couple weeks ago. It's called touchingthelight.org. And um, everything you need uh, is there for that. So I have two sites now. I'm growing up in the world. Hey.
0: <laughs> okay. So yeah. that was touchingthelight.org and spiritlight. That's s p i r i t l i t e dot com. Correct?
1: Right. Right. Thank you. Aha. <laughs> and I also wanted to mention in the back of the book there. Are, there's a chapter on the living light symbols. And I've got a deck of cards that I developed in the process of learning about them myself and I ha- trying to figure out how to share them in a fun way um, that, ha- there's, that have all the symbols in it that are needed for those attunements in the back of touching the light uh-huh. the book.
0: Well, we do so, have a link to that uh, card deck on uh, our website. And- oh, okay. great. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for being with us today. My pleasure. And our listeners, I hope you'll join us next week when my guest will be Lynn Serafin. We'll be talking about her book, The Seven Graces of Marketing. So if you enjoyed our show, please tell your friends. Thanks so much for being with us. Now we're going to conclude our show today with a track of the week from members of the Positive Music Association. Their music styles range from pop and rock to folk and jazz, but all have positive messages designed to uplift, heal, or enlighten. This week we're featuring a song by Freebo called Before the Separation.
2: Was it an illusion back when I was young When everyone was living on a promise In unity and dignity, together we were one Believing in the freedom of a dream Once upon the great frontier, not so long ago The hope of man and earth were so connected This beautiful creation here to help us grow Is watching as it slowly slips away On this carousel of madness On a horse to kingdom come I see our dreams just melting in the sun Won't you take me back to Eden To a time when we were one Before the separation had begun For the ones who have the money And the many who have not The great divide grows wider by the moment Equal opportunity Doesn't mean a lie To the one who has to struggle To get by On this carousel of madness On a horse to kingdom come I see our dreams just melting in the sun Won't you take me back to Eden To a time when we were one Before the separation station Show a dying faith Fighting for a cause that I believe in Tactical delusions lead me not astray For the voices of the healing will survive On this carousel of madness On a horse to kingdom come I see our dreams just melting in the sun Won't you take me back to Eden, to a time when we were one, before the separation had begun? Won't you take me back to Eden, to a time when we were one, before the separation had begun?
0: That was Before the Separation by Freebo from Los Angeles, California. This folk rock blues icon turned singer-songwriter is one of the PMA's growing group of musicians who are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To find out more about Freebo's music, go to freebomusic.com. And to discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.